Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Once more, return to the hollow ground of Yad Vashem to honor six million Jewish lives were stolen in the genocide and continue, which we must do every, every day, continue to bear witness. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust, honor those we lost. I will once more return to the hollow ground of Yad Vashem to honor six million Jewish lives were stolen in the genocide and continue, which we must do every, every day, continue to bear witness. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust, honor those we lost so that we never, ever, ever forget that lesson. There appeared to be a real split over the approach to Iran. Listen to this exchange here. You made it absolutely clear. We will not, let me say it again, we will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. I continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve this outcome. Words will not stop them, Mr. President. Diplomacy will not stop them. The only way to stop them is to put a credible military threat on the table. Mr. President, do you want a question was for the president? Uh, Mr. President, do you want to call on the next question? Um, sure. Uh, I, I was you give, give a list here. I, uh, Steve Holland of Reuters. Some opposition back home to your meeting with Saudi leaders this week. 
What will you say to Saudi leaders, specifically to Crown Prince Mohammed bin... Did you regret calling uh, uh, the Saudis a pariah? I don't regret anything I said. Did Do you still question. feel that way, though, Mr. President? I just answered your question. Do I regret it? I don't regret anything that I said. What happened to Khashoggi was outrageous. Mr. President, yes. you're coming under a lot of fire for your fist bump with the crown prince. <laughs> I just want to give you a chance to respond to that. But also, how can you be sure that another incident, another murder like Jamal Khashoggi's won't happen again? God love you. What a silly question. How could I possibly be sure of any of that? I just made it clear. If anything occurs like that again, they'll get that response and much more. Look, you've heard me say before, and when I criticize Xi Jinping for slave labor and what they're doing uh, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Western mountains of, of China. And he said, I had no right to criticize China. And I said, look, I am president of the United States of America. For the United States president to remain silent on a clear violation of human rights is totally inconsistent with who we are, what we are, and what we would do what we believe. And so I'm not going to remain silent. Can I predict anything is going to happen, let alone here, let alone any other part of the world? No. But I don't know why you're all so surprised the way I react. No one's ever wondered I mean what I say. The question is I sometimes say all that I mean. And what, a, and what about your response to the Climate. Joe Manchin obviously made significant news right now, which appears to be torpedoing what was one of your biggest priorities as it relates to energy and to climate back at home. Your message to those Americans right now who are looking for that relief that would have a wide impact as it affects the climate and energy specifically. I am not going away. I use every power I have as president to continue to fulfill my pledge to move toward dealing with global warming. Thank you, Mr. Very president. Much. Is Joe Manchin negotiating in good faith? I didn't negotiate with Joe Manchin. I have no idea. And the United States has suffered loss as well, including the killing of Shireen Abu Al-Kaili. Thank you, President Herzog and President Biden. honored guest. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they Read don't. The Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no, 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. Will you shake the Crown Prince's hand? Will you shake the Crown Prince's hand, sir? Uh, but again, this is what the president's going to be focused on. We're not going to pay attention to, to polls. It's not what we're going to do here. What we're going to focus on is uh, delivering for the American people. Well, we're talking about homelessness, uh, talking about the number one issue in California, which is mental health and homelessness, what's happening on the streets, sidewalks, opportunities in L.A. County in particular, uh, to not just highlight the problem, but to focus on solutions. And what I was focused on is what can we do together that's big and bold, demonstrable, where people can see the results. 
specifically in LA County. And does that mean more money's coming? It's it's money, it's resources, but it's resourcefulness, meaning there's a lot of money floating out there. I mean, I'll be honest, if, if I was watching this and I just hear politicians talking about more, 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 I mean, you've been hearing that from folks like me for a decade. Right. And we've been spending records amounts of money and people are looking and saying it's worse than ever. So it's really just targeting our efforts, it's focusing them. And I think that's that's the opportunity and niche. You know, the, the con- We've decided to release the Kraken tonight. <laughs> joining me is our favorite and only CNN senior data reporter, oh. Harry Enton. Oh. So you don't even know who that film is. And well, you explained it to me yeah, in the break, did, so I it's did. all good now. I'm yes. caught up. And the remake as well. Yeah. So uh, obviously inflation, huge concern, uh, number one concern for many people. How is it affecting the president's job performance? So, you know, I, I made a limited number of slides tonight because the first slide is somewhat complicated, okay. so I'm going to walk us through it. Please. And you so, know I'm, I'm, I know, I'm I know. easily thrown by slides. I, I know. So we're going to keep... Age. I, you're not that old. My mother perhaps has a few ages, a few years ago. Mm. Any of it. Don't say that. And that. Well, I love my mother. Any of it. The point is, uh, take a look at Joe Biden's job disapproval rating since last year, July of 2022. Then look at it in seven months ago in December of 2021, uh, tw July of 2021, December of 2021, and now. What do you see? You see his disapproval rating is rising from the 40s into the high 50s. At the same time, look at the percentage of people who say that their top familial concern is in fact inflation. Back in July of 2021, a year ago, it was basically nobody who was saying that inflation was a large concern, maybe outside of Larry Summers. Then it started picking up in December of 2021, and now it is the clear number one issue. And we see this clear correlation. As more people are concerned about inflation, Joe Biden's disapproval rating climbs ever higher. Yeah. Larry Summers did get it right. He, he did. Was, he was early. Um, how about how does President Biden stack up against other presidents at this time in administration's past? Uh, yeah. So we can look at both Joe Biden's disapproval rating on inflation and Joe Biden's disapproval rating overall. And what we see is his, his disapproval rating on inflation is topping 70%. His disapproval rating overall is still in the 50s. But if you compare that to every single other president at this point in the first term, throughout polling history, this goes all the way back since the 1940s, he is the worst on both. Wow. And the reason he is the worst overall is because inflation is eating his presidency alive at this mm. point. It is much easier to be the opposition party. So, you know, give the Democrats oh, yeah. give the Democrats some grace. Governing is hard, especially when you have tiny margins. But and welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. I got all my stuff swapped, so if I look weird today, it's because I'm changing up, trying to look at the camera more. I noticed on uh, me and the wife watched uh, one of my shows, and I'm always looking over here because that's where I read. But now I'm going to put it right here. So it's a little ass backwards. That's a good intro right there. You know. Today's going to be kind of a off show, not a lot of slides or craziness or things to be going over, just some sound bites and some talking, but I think that intro is just very apropos. I mean, I never even knew Trump got that. I guess that's the traditional thing, so that's why I started it. And then you see him and people getting pissed off because he did fist bump and then literally getting corrected by foreigners before he hit ground and the sniffing and man this guy is a soup bone but you know as king says and that yuck yuck gay guy on cnn you know it's hard it's hard being the president it's not easy and it's just the incredible hypocrisy of it all is so amazing. Um, 
I have a slide here. Let me pull it up. I think it it, it is really, really good on how our media is. And I think, let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Sorry. Uh, 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 I'm fucking up. There it is. That pretty much sums up our media. Let me bring it down to a manageable size. Of when Trump and Biden. Everything is in that prism. We had four years of the end of humanity. He's senile. He has problems. And I'm just going to play just just to get it, you know, started up here. Um, Here's two minutes of Democrats talking about inflation and butt lag. Talking about gas prices again. And an actual reporter doing the news in Texas and because they backed into this global cabal of green energy, the fucking power goes out during his broadcast. You have this kind of heat over major populations, you get a big draw on that electric demand, and it looks like we may have just switched over to generator power. Our lights just went out. 104 in Huntsville, it is excessive heat in College Station at 105 degrees. We are looking at, okay, we're back now. 105 degrees currently in College Station, so excessive heat up there. We're, we're for cutting the cost of electric vehicles, because when you have an electric vehicle, then you're also going to be able to, to save on gas, but you got to be able to afford it in the first place. Right. right? Now, we're actually starting to see on some models the the costs come to where even if the the your car payments a little higher your gas payment will be a little lower and you come out ahead but the prices still need to come down Mm -hmm. for most americans to be able to get in an ev i really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle most economic analysts believe that it will have a temporary transitory impact the faster than expected increase in some of those prices is actually a good sign the overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down no one's talking about this great, great deal. This is something that will uh, settle down. Transitory. Transitory. <laughs> and the data shows that most of the price increases we've seen are were expected and are expected to be temporary. There's nobody suggesting there's unchecked inflation on the way. It's un- highly unlikely that's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. I don't know anybody who's worried about inflation. Over the last couple of months, uh, we actually saw it trended downward. President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, enthusiastically retweeted an economist who had said in part, most of the economic problems we're facing, inflation, supply chains, etc., are high class problems. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. Well, the number one thing that the president can do is help get COVID under control. Uh, That, we know, is the root cause of inflation. President Biden this afternoon saying he thinks we're at the peak of the crisis right now and that lower prices are on the way. The inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. If you want to get rid of inflation, the only way to do it is to um, re- undo a lot of the Trump tax cuts. I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. Pain is the point. 
It's unequivocally what they want to do. They believe in their twisted little liberal minds that if we make it so painful, I mean, they've talked about this for years. If you had European gas at $6 an hour, people would go green. And what is Europe doing? They're going back to coal and national gas. They've had to. They don't have a fucking choice. Not these moon bats. They 100%. Sorry, I walked off in the woods. I'm itchy as shit today. They, they literally want you to be sucking buttermilk. They want you to feel pain. Because math isn't something they're really good at. They've never been good at math. They can't understand. If I can't afford four fifty a cent gas, how the fuck do I buy a $60,000 Tesla? I'd buy the Tesla. I like them. Don't judge me. I, I think it's a good-looking ride. And considering it's a good work car if you're living local and you got to drive maybe 30 miles, it would work. Sure, my electricity's gone up, and I'd still kind of pay, but I'd save a little. So I'd go that route, but I can't afford $60,000 fucking Tesla that I'll get in three years. Can't afford it. So why do they do it? Do they really believe, and, and I think they do, abortion and green energy is going to get people to let them win in November? Did they believe that? And how stupid do you have to be to believe that? I mean, really, folks, think about it. It doesn't matter if you suck dick. You still need gas. It doesn't matter how much you hate Whitey and them motherfucking Peckerwoods. You still need gas. You still need to buy groceries that are insane. I went to get like six items of the day at Walmart. After one of my doctor's appointments, and it was mother fucking $34. Water, milk, eggs, the $4 air filter. I mean, it was nothing in my cart. Why is he not being pummeled to death with what he's done? I, I, it's almost astounding. And it lies right in to our first segment of the day about AOC. And I want you all to know once again, these are the people that called for everybody to fucking protest out congressional houses, to Black Lives Matter was so fucking important that COVID couldn't break through. And this Wahoo, and, and you've seen him on this show because we played his shit. He's a comedian. And the big booty Latina, my God. See, my favorite big booty Latina. I love you, AOC. You're my favorite. She wants to kill babies, but she's still beautiful. You look very beautiful in that dress. You look very sexy. Look at that booty on AOC. That's my favorite big booty Latina. I love it. My favorite, AOC. Nice to meet you, AOC. Look how sexy she looks in that dress. Woo, I love it, AOC. Hot, hot, hot like a tamale. Hey, everybody. I'm here in the Capitol. Um, see this guy right there? Right there. He, when I was walking up, um, 
he said, hey, right in front of a Capitol Police officer, hey, uh, here's this, look at that big ass, look at that big juicy booty, this Latina, like whatever, you know, all the bunch of racist, sexist stuff. And since nobody can do anything, I'm just telling you because um, this institution is not designed to protect people. And it's really hard and it's really sad that my only recourse is to just let you know about it, but that's the institution we're in. Really just can't help but think about all of that footage and evidence that we saw the day of, of all these Capitol Police officers helping and being sympathetic to the insurrectionists on January 6th. And everyone just decided it was too politically difficult to deal with. So they all just brushed it under the rug. And to this day, there has never been an investigation into that, never. So as a result, we have no idea which officers are safe to be around. We have no idea if, if any of those officers and the ones holding massive weapons were, were, with, were with that crowd or if they weren't. And, but if you raise questions about that, or if you don't feel safe, it's construed as you attacking the entire institution of public safety. Riddle me that. Riddle me that. And we saw a lot of that show up, not just in our politics now, but even the State of the Union, because now both parties are in a contest of how much money they can shovel in this system without critically holding any of it accountable. It is dangerous. Samuel Jackson called Justice Thomas Uncle Clarence and tweeted the ban that a ban on interracial marriage is next. Representative Benny Thompson called Justice Thomas Uncle Tom citing his support for voter ID and opposition to affirmative action. He stated that Justice Thomas doesn't like black people. He doesn't like being black. I'm gonna take a second and repeat that line. Justice Thomas doesn't like black people. He doesn't like being black. Chicago Mayor Lightfoot attacked Justice Thomas in a profane rant, suggesting the decision would lead to overturning gay marriage. Hillary Clinton, called Justice Thomas an angry person of grievance. It's not just Justice Thomas the attack. CNN suggested that Congresswoman Myra Vloris wasn't the real deal. They believe, and I quote, she, she holds views outside Latino mainstream. Myra too dares to think differently than what the elitist left demands. A guest on MSNBC, Joe, host uh, Joy Reid, called Virginia Lieutenant Governor w w Winsome Sears a black mouth of white supremacy. Twitter allowed Uncle Tim to trend for hours after Senator Tim Scott, State of the Union rebuttal before taking action. A white newspaper uh, cartoonist for the Utah State uh, Salt Lake City Tribune portrayed me as a white Klansman, so typical of the condescending racism. If these attacks, same attacks were aimed at Barack Obama, it would be called out by this committee and the media exactly what it is, pure racism. This chairman would probably hold a hearing on it. I had a chance to speak to the congressman earlier today. What did he say? 
Well, he claims that he was never questioning the girl's story. He said he was only reacting to a headline that he saw. This was uh, in reference to a story about the Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost, who claimed that story claimed that he found no evidence to support this allegation that this 10-year-old girl from Ohio had to travel to Indiana to have this abortion. Jordan tweeted, another lie, anyone surprised? Then he deleted that tweet. So I asked him about that and whether he would apologize to the family. Why'd you delete the tweet? Well, because we learned that this illegal alien did this heinous crime. Um, so we deleted the tweet. Did you apologize for the, to the girl and the family for suggesting it was doubted, a lie? I never doubted the child. Um, I, was, I was responding to a headline from, from, uh, from uh, your profession, the news profession, which happens all the time on, on Twitter. Um, doubted Joe Biden, which is usually a smart thing to do. So then I also asked him uh, whether or not uh, he, that, about whether this fact that this tweet came across as if he was, in fact, questioning the child's story. He said, no, not at all. I was just questioning Joe Biden. And then I asked him about the idea about whether a 10-year-old should be required under the law of his state to have this child carried to term if she is raped. He would not answer that specifically, saying this is up to the state legislatures. He would not express his preference on this issue. So not apologizing for the tweet, not apologizing to the family, not regretting the tweet, but just claiming it was misinterpreted about what he meant, saying he didn't mean to question the girl, but criticizing the uh, undocumented immigrant who was alleged to have perpetrated this heinous crime. So, just to be clear, if the Republicans take control of the House, he would be the chairman of an incredibly powerful committee, the Judiciary Committee, which would have jurisdiction over some of these issues. His tweet called the allegation, quote, a lie. A lie. Two pretty straightforward words there. And his comments today is that we all misinterpreted that. It, yes, because I asked him, I said, it is interpreted. Based on what you said, that the allegation, the girl's the allegation that this girl was raped and had to have an abortion was a lie. He said that's not what he said. He said that it was, he was saying what Joe Biden was saying was a lie. So he is trying to split hairs a bit here. Uh, but nevertheless, that is his contention at the moment. But he did delete that tweet afterwards, and we're getting his first reaction about why he did that, saying that he never questioned the girl, but was just responding to a headline that he saw, which he claims happens all the time on Twitter. Yep. And, then a quick pivot, and then a quick pivot to try to make it about illegal immigration. We've seen this script once or twice before. Manaraja live on the Hill, an important conversation. Thank you. I play the Maju Raju because it's so fucking apropos on what we deal with in the world. If one Republican says anything, every Republican has to count, call for it. We ran a whole election on Rush fucking Limbaugh and a woman's a slut. I say it all the time, but it's just true. If Matt in Oregon says, I need my AR, his congressperson has to answer for it if that congressperson is a Republican. We've had people want to fucking assassinate outside of the houses, violence from the left for three years, baseball games, even at the baseball game, it was Trump's rhetoric. We never went to every Democrat and said, why the fuck is a Bernie bro with an assassination list trying to kill people? So she went overdrive on this. Inside Capitol Now, Representative AOC has to speak with female and LGBT reporters to warn us that the man who harassed her is affiliated with the credential news outlet said her staff called Capitol Police five times. 
Jay Powell, we just told me she's assessing, but like personal secure. Oh, we need cops now. Miss Defund, ICE, FBI, CIA, Space Force. I mean, she called for the defunding of all law enforcement. But now the shits is real. Okay. Okay, that, that makes sense. I will never understand the pole clutching over these protests. Republicans send people to protest me all the time, sometimes drunk and belligerent. Nobody cares about it unless it's a Republican in a restaurant. Can someone please explain the obsession? Because I don't get it. And I just read that last podcast. We just went to Morton's. Uh, AOC, Capital Security, is not designed to protect women and LGBT, BIPOC, far-right troll. Ah! The normalization of this event and this dismissive is dangerous. It's not just about me. It's about every person! Matt Whitlock, life comes at you flat fast. It's pearl clutching to think judges shouldn't get chased out of restaurants after protesters tried to murder one of them, but a national security incident that police should have stopped when some moron cat calls you. What he did was fucking stupid. I think he's a funny guy. Not in a good fellows get a gun and shoot me. I, I think he's a funny guy. That That's in one week, folks. Let me see if I can blow this up. That's one fucking week. I asked men on Instagram for advice they have for other men who want to stand up to abuses and harassers but struggle in the moment. Here's what they had to say. Because she just made this a whole moment. Holy shit. Is that AOC's fiance in the video standing right next to her? And she's getting harassed. It's the first thing my wife said. He didn't say a fucking word. Understand, a month ago, we went to a place, and my wife asked this gentleman how much he paid for his uh, shifru sideboard thing. He got rude with her, and I screamed, Go fuck yourself! And she grabbed me, and we moved on. I literally thought about pulling him out of the back of the truck and curb stomping him. Because she's my wife. But her fiancé, a beta boy... Oh, fuck that. I'm not going to say anything. Poor guy. He left before a souffle. Those, that's the shit she said. Sorry. Poor guy. He left before his souffle. That's, that's the joke. Okay. Okay, that's great. And, and I have... Did I grab some of these? No, I didn't. Let's pause for a second because I'm fucking up. You got to see this. This is the Democratic Party. This is a journalist listing organizations. They're going to go to a retreat for Republicans. They are listing everybody who motherfucking donates and trying to take them the fuck out. Words are violence, aren't they? Isn't this violence? Here's the list we provided. Prima, Reynolds, Walmart, Institute for Legal Before, Rocket, TikTok. This is activist journalism. It's obvious you're trying to get pro-aborts and others to hammer these corporations out of being part of this. Brian is showing why people rightly don't trust the media and believe they're biased fucking hacks. All your screen, Rick Ellis says, I love all these comments since it's clear people are just tweeting stuff about for political theater. Reporting news you don't like isn't activism. Really? That's not activism. 
including lobbyists and executives from CNBC's corporate parent Comcast. Hmm. Then you got occupied Democrats. Monstrous Ivanka. Monstrous Ivanka, they say. The things they were saying about Ivanka dying. Amy Coda Barrett's having a crappy summer, and she deserves it. How about the million Clarence Thomas that he forgot his job? Or how about... Did I not grab that? Where the fuck is it? I guess I didn't grab it. Man, I'm just a soup bone today. Leah Stokes, a professor of environmental policy who advised Democrats on climate legislation, sobbed on Thursday night as he described the months of work she and other activist scientists and legislative staff have poured into negotiations and Manchin now is getting fucked with because Manchin wouldn't sign off on the fucking crazy. Yeah. That's what they went with. But yeah, big booty Latino is so violence. People insult. There's so much violence. How about J6? We're still carrying that on. And I would be totally remiss if I didn't say that AOC, AOC herself, is now a conspiracy theorist. These insurrectionists, like Antifa, and that there were actual officers working with this, and we never got to the bottom of that, and we never got any answers about that, and then to this day we're just supposed to pretend that that never happened. I have no idea what happened to the people on the inside who were very clearly sympathetic with what was going on and opening the doors wide open for that. And we're, I'm supposed to sit here and pretend like none of that ever happened, and then right afterwards. You have a massive, you know, you just have this idea that throwing money at that problem is going to make it go away without any buildings. accountability. And so this is this is where these things are breaking down. We're not safe. And it's not just about members of Congress not being safe. The Black food staff matter. workers aren't safe. The Black janitors aren't safe. Like, we need to get to the bottom of this. So that's all I got to say. What about Antifa? Thank you, Congresswoman. Let's get to the bottom of it. Antifa, please. I certainly think that, that uh, the Justice Department has more than enough evidence to begin an investigation involving the former president. Um, and uh, whether they'll ultimately believe they have proof beyond a reasonable doubt, I think it's too early to say. But, um, but uh, I, I certainly believe there's evidence now that uh, it would be hard for the department to ignore pertaining to the former president's conduct. And with that, after that explosive testimony, the chairman brings down the gavel. Katie, I have witnessed so many hearings going all the way back, Rand contra I have never seen anything like this. That was this one of the wildest things seri- I've ever seen, Andrea. One of the wildest of events, things that I've ever seen. The December 18th meeting in the Oval Office. Let's recap for a moment. You've got Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn getting in from a junior staffer for a meeting with the president. As Sidney Powell testified, Pat Cipollone breaking all land speed efforts, maybe 15 minutes later getting in with Eric Kirschman, Derek Lyons, other parts of the legitimate White House staff, and Cipollone saying to, you know, some of these people, you know, I guess it was to Patrick Burke, you know, who are you and what are you doing in here? And then the president saying that they're giving him solutions and you're not. 
and the cursing, the shouting. Rudy Giuliani sitting alone in the cabinet room and saying he thought that was kind of cool. And then Mark Meadows, you know, being designated to walk him out down the path and make sure he didn't sneak back into the residence. And this was in the Oval Office of the White House with the President in, of the United States and him yeah. then say, turning to Sidney Powell after they had pointed out that 60 plus federal judges, many appointed by Donald Trump, had ruled against her and them and that she was being appointed a special counsel with security clearances in her and mind Eric and in the president's saying to her, you think all of those 60 judges that ruled against you were all corrupt, every single one of them, even the ones that the Donald Trump administration appointed. I mean, what you have there in that Oval Office is the, and this is the Trump world, the professionals versus the, I don't even know what you'd call them. The not professionals is the most diplomatic way of putting it. Uh, the conspiracy theorists. You have the DOJ lawyers, you have the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, saying, show us the evidence of the fraud that you're claiming. Give us the evidence for these allegations, these this Venezuela's involved and China's involved and Nest thermostats are involved because they're connected to, to the inter internet. Show us the evidence. And Cipollone's saying it seemed as if they had no regard for evidence at all that they didn't need whoa 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 that's a conspiracy i thought the capitol police were the next level to christ not disparaging them but you guys all of a sudden went from george floyd protests that all cops are garbage and should not have jobs and it's okay to burn down motherfucking police police precincts to police are the greatest thing ever we had a guy who died of natural causes in state because he was sculled with a fire extinguisher that never happened. And then, of course, you see the people on MSNBC and you see him once again. Shift for brains has been forever lying. We got him. The, the walls are closing in. It's over. Arr. Ah, we're going to. It's all over. Ah, yeah, whatever. So we're going to move on to. Um, well, you know, let's do a quick segment right now because I, I i set up the site with a different intro so i did get a cup two emails so we're, we're gonna we haven't done this since the old days turn on my computer i go online welcome and my breath catches in my chest until i hear three little words Lay up, motherfucker. So the two I got, I got a bunch of little ones. Hey, great show. And I thank everybody who does that. It's really sweet. Um, when I set that up, I was just trying to get feedback. So if you go on the website, it'll send you your email and maybe you'll send me an email. So the two I got were wanted to remain anonymous. The first one was about my job. What really happened? For all I know, it's somebody from my work who asked this question. The reality was I I was handed a rising star girl with very little experience other than merchandising. And I didn't want her. I had a fantastic employee already picked, but I didn't have a choice. So I brought her on board. We never hit it off. Um, she didn't like me. But I play nice, uh, did as much as I could, gave her a table. Did I mean, I just kissed her ass, just tried to keep her so I could get the last credit card paid off, put a little money in the bank and, and work for a while. And then I was going to change jobs because it was a little bit too much for me physically. 
with my back and all that stuff. And as time went on, she was a fuck up. She kept leaving doors open. She came to work late all the time. And I was Mr. Nice Guy. And the old army saying is you can always go in hard, but you can't come in hard and go, you can't come in soft. If you come in soft the first time you're hard, you have a revolt. And that's exactly what happened. After leaving the back door open numerous times and leaving the fucking front door of the store unsecure, and I walked right in and then the person blamed me for opening the door for a pallet during the day, but I departed at three. I got mad. Just didn't say anything. So the next time I counseled her, that's when it started. She always wanted to be a manager. Her theory was I was going to leave because I told her I was going to leave. She was going to take out the store. And now she can't. So she started backstabbing and turning the staff against me. And there's really nothing you can do. I was so sick. I knew it was happening, but I couldn't fight. I didn't even care. I came into work. I was out of sick time, and I just went home because everything in that building made me nauseous. The very fact that there's mold in it and they don't want to do anything about it made me nauseous. It was just so nauseous all the time. It was at the height of whatever the fuck I have. And once that person coordinated trip take a vacation during the time she knew I had a whole bunch of appointments and we were short on staff I knew my reaction of not saying anything probably wasn't going to work because I did what she did passive aggressive so she got half the staff to write letters she knew it would push me over the edge because I was honest and said it's kind of freaky that 38 motherfuckers have been fired out of 90 stores since I started. So instead of doing what I should have done, which is fight everything and stay there and refute it, go through the process, let them fire me because they didn't really have grounds to fire me. Um, it was all made up shit. The wife and I just said, for your health, fuck it, quit. And so I left. My rebuttal is why I got kicked out of the door the next day because I dimed out my DM who never came to work. I mean, I've seen the guy three times. So the second part of that question was when will I go back? I'm hoping whenever I can get just a little, I'm pretty good. It's a lot of pain in the morning and evening. I don't feel great, but it's getting a little better. And I think once the esophagus heals from it being dilated I think I'll be a little better but it's been off and on every other day has been horrible since the procedure because I know it realigned everything and it should help me um, but I I, I just want to get totally to I can go back to eating food if I can eat normal food you know I'm eating yogurt and fruit and I'm still eating soft stuff because it just hurts and when I eat solids, it's like my stomach goes crazy. There's this feeling all the way up your neck. It's just, I, they don't know what it is. They know it's a, it's happening to people, but they just don't know what it is. It's something to do with COVID or the vaccine. And it's just something has happened to my intestine, my you know stomach on up, that it just doesn't like real food. It's, it's just a horrible feeling that drives you crazy. I had it last night for the first time in a long time. Um, and I ate a lot of soup 
and a lot of uh, fruit and I ate too much and I was pretty shady until about nine. Um, it's just, just fucking crazy. It, it doesn't make sense. There's a theory by one doctor. It's a microthrombosis stroke due to blood cells. And if they can basically say that's it, they give you blood thinners and it's supposed to help. But I can't see a doctor, so there's not much I can do. Like The soonest I can see a doctor is August 4th, which is pretty crazy. That's, that's a long time from now, August 4th. I can get phone calls, but phone calls don't, they, they don't fucking help you anymore. All right. And then the second question I got from somebody is, will you ever go back to doing the crazy clown music and all that stuff? I, you know, I've thought about it. I've thought about making it trying to funner. And, and I think the purpose of this person's email to me was pretty smart. Um, I haven't been as funny. And I'm not like I'm saying I'm a funny guy or I'm a comedian, but the show used to be a little more humorous and it's been pretty serious. So I'm working on a few things to try to, to uh, lighten up a little bit and get this not to be like every other podcast where you're just screaming at the world that uh, everything sucks because we all know it sucks. So me reaffirming what you already know that it sucks doesn't really help the situation. So I'm going to work on it. But thanks for the two emails. Um, I hope all all of you will. In the future, uh, you don't need to write anything down. Just go to foppodcast.com. And when you enter, there's a click and it'll let you just send an email. So if you have suggestions for segments or what have you, uh, use it. And I will mention everybody who does, if you want to be mentioned, or at least bring up your subject. And I will go in that direction. So we are going to move to abortion but before we do I wanted to make sure I put this up they represented us in France those were our representatives now once again I don't give a fuck if you want to be a unicorn be a fucking unicorn. But that's some fucking embarrassing shit that our country sends that out when both of them represent 0.06% of the country. That is not America. And it goes back to once again, when you represent America, it's all of America, not your freaky deaky bullshit. And... Remember, I was a Christian. I could not have a cross. I could not have a St. Christopher. I couldn't have anything because I was serving the United States States of America. And even though 80% of this country is religious, not all the country is religious. So your religion has nothing to do with your representation. This is their religion. I got a video I'm going to play today because I watched Mississippi Burning. And the amazing thing is it was about the KKK. Well, we have that on the opposite now. Indoctrination on a level in our schools, on our TV, in our cartoons. That is 
just the same as the KKK. It's an ideology being rammed down kids' throats that we used to say was inappropriate. But this administration, as you can see, really anything goes. So here's the choice cuts, and then we'll uh, you'll have a few sound bites in the front, and you'll see the jerk off, jerk off of the week, and then the rest of the abortion insanity. La niña vivía aquí también. Sí, pero ella está bien. Todo lo que están diciendo en contra de él es mentira. Yeah. Y la niña, eh, usted es familiar de la niña. Es mi hija. La señora quien se negó a dar su nombre y quien ocultó su rostro asegura que ella no ha impuesto cargos en contra de Gerson Fuentes de 27 años, quien está acusado de violación. De acuerdo a las autoridades, él confesó que tuvo contacto vaginal al menos dos veces con la niña que recientemente cumplió 10 años, por lo que se estima que pudiera haber tenido 9 años cuando fue violada y quedó en embarazo. Status whether they're in prison or out of prison, period, the end. And finally, this claim, which Mr. Jordan just made, is repulsive and untrue, the notion that anyone is suggesting that abortion should happen up until the birthday is an absurdity and deeply offensive to women who are making important healthcare decisions every single day. And I yield the balance of my time. Roughly two weeks ago, the United States Supreme Court did something unconscionable. It stripped away a constitutional right from the Americans here who depend on access to good care, reproductive care when it overturned Roe versus Wade, and it restricted access to safe abortion. And in the days after the decision, we've already seen the draconian consequences. Last week, I directed every part of my department to do everything and anything possible uh, to make sure that we continue to make access to abortion care available to women everywhere in America and taking every legal step available to protect family planning services. This report serves as an important reminder of a cause that my colleagues on both sides of the aisle should agree on. That is addressing the root causes of the 121 million unintended pregnancies that occur every year, nearly half of all pregnancies worldwide. Left unaddressed to this crisis, this crisis will continue to have global repercussions. Unintended pregnancies are not the same as unwanted pregnancies, and pregnant individuals are not the same as mothers. Not all individuals who become pregnant are women and girls. Transgender men and non-binary people can and do become pregnant. So what about abortion? I say this report is not about abortion, but it is relevant. Research shows rates of unintended pregnancy tend to be lower in countries with more liberal abortion laws compared to those with more restrictive laws. Since 2000, the beginning of this century, 28 countries changed their abortion laws, and 26 of those countries moved to broaden the grounds for access to legal abortion. The U.S. and Nicaragua are the only two countries in the world that have restricted legal access to abortion in this century. That abortion is as common where it's illegal as where it's illegal. What's different is that abortion is much more likely to be unsafe where it's illegal. The WHO issued new safe abortion guidelines, and they actually recommended lifting policy and legal barriers to abortion. And these are evidence-based guidelines. So it, and they even endorse um, providing abortion through telemedicine in certain in settings. So the U.S. is moving in one direction and evidence-based guidelines are moving in another. And it remains to be seen whether other countries will follow the precedent, the U.S. precedent of setting policy based on ideology or will continue to follow 
um, the evidence as reflected in the US in the WHO guidelines? To, to answer the question about DABs, I mean, it, the decision really reflects not only attacks on reproductive choice, but also broad and purposeful attacks on gender equality and equity. And this isn't hyperbole. I mean, without the right to decide if, when, and with whom to have children, um, women, girls, and, and others who are able to get pregnant will face a myriad of regressions to their rights, to their well-being, to their safety, to their economic empowerment, to their meaningful participation in public life, to equality in their, their homes and communities. So the impact is much broader than just one particular um, medical procedure. It has impacts on, on lives. We know, and, and policymakers should know, that access to SRH, um, including contraception, including abortion, is one of the first services to be lost when a, when a crisis emerges. And so it's, it's not being prioritized, and it's certainly not seen as, as a critical. My the media jerk-off of the week. Turning now to the abortion case that has gained international attention after a 10-year-old rape victim from Ohio was taken to Indiana for the procedure. Back here at home tonight and to news in that disturbing case of a 10-year-old Ohio girl who had been raped who went to Indiana to get an abortion after Roe was overturned. No exceptions in Ohio for rape. Well, tonight the Indiana doctor who performed that procedure is now under investigation. The Indiana Attorney General saying he is investigating the doctor's license and whether she failed to report the child was raped. The family pointing out the child had to go to Indiana because there are no exceptions in Ohio after Roe was overturned. Tonight, a lawyer for that doctor, Dr. Caitlin Bernard, said she, quote, took every appropriate and proper action in accordance with the law. She has not violated any law, according to the lawyer. Now to another major story that's shining a light in the deep divide in this country over abortion. A 27-year-old man facing charges for the rape of a 10-year-old girl who had to travel to another state to get an abortion. Now, after many conservatives cast doubt... I would also say that when it comes to this really horrifying story out of Ohio, it does strike me that the knee-jerk reaction when you hear this kind of terror is to doubt the girl at the center of it. We've seen this time and again with women, and in this case, someone who's not even of woman age yet, being doubted in the press. 10 years old. Marty, your reporting suggests the Republicans could have seen this coming. We were bound to see cases like this. In 2021 alone, Ohio saw over 6,000 sexual abuse cases with the victims under 18. That's according to the Ohio Network of Children's Advocacy Centers. From what you're seeing, could this be potentially political quicksand for local and state Republicans as well? Um, I think very possibly. Uh, I think that the thing that our state's leaders don't want to talk about is what age should a woman or a girl be required to have her rapist's baby? That's a question I've asked several times and I'm not getting any answers to. And, and Marty, beyond abortion rights, there's this secondary issue, and, and actually Allie touched on it in her last answer, because you talked to the head of a local pro-abortion rights group, and she asks, what signal does that give to rape survivors across the state and the country that these, this young girl was not believed? Is she concerned this will have a chilling effect on rape victims? Even parents 
of young girls who are thinking about reporting a crime? Uh, very definitely. I, I think it, it speaks to a certain hostility. Um, and I think that that hostility is actually uh, even increased. I don't know if you've seen the news today, but the uh, Attorney uh, General of Indiana is talking about going after the medical license of the doctor there, Caitlin Bernard, who initially reported this. I think the fear is that this is going to have a chilling effect. Up a 10-year-old girl raped and forced to travel across state lines to get an abortion. This is a new reality in our country. And I want to discuss now CNN political commentator Scott Jennings and senior political analyst Kirsten Powers. Uh, good to see both of you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Kirsten, I mean, listen, this is just despicable that this tragedy has become political. But the reality is this is what a post-Roe America looks like. A 10-year-old rape victim has to travel across state lines to get the medical care that she needs. Right. But, you know, and... and it's it's hard to even say that she's lucky in any way because she's obviously not lucky, but at least there was a place for her to go uh, to actually get an abortion. And there are people certainly in the state she went to who would like very much for that to not have been the case. So this is predictably what what was going to happen. And I think the idea that that women, children uh, would be forced to give birth to, I, I'd say, to any any child that they don't want, especially if we're talking about a 10-year-old, um, you know, as the result of rape uh, is just, it's sick. I mean, I just don't know what else to call it. This, this, something is very, very wrong when you have people actually defending this. And there are people that are defending this, um, including the person from the National Right to Life uh, committee that drafted this sort of model legislation saying that um, the, this 10-year-old should have been forced to give birth and that at, at some point she would hopefully come to understand the, the reason and the benefit, the benefit mm -hmm. of giving birth to her rapist child. I mean, this is a person mm -hmm. who holds a position, a senior position in the National Right to Life uh, movement. So uh, this is just extremist behavior and, um, and it's scary. I mean, I, I think people should be very scared. We want to talk, we'll, we'll talk more about that quote that you mentioned, the benefit. But I, I want to get Scott's response, because some Republicans, you know, who support the most restrictive abortion laws, try to pretend, Scott, that this tragedy didn't happen. Others say that it is rare. But according to the Ohio Department of Health, 52 girls under the age of 14 had abortions in 2020 in that state alone. So what is going to happen? Abortion is a horribly inadequate solution to the very real problems that many women face. It often results in greater risk of death and illness. Many women are unsure of their decision, and a majority go on to suffer emotional and mental harm. Additionally, surveys show that women who choose abortion report that they would have chosen life if they had more support. Many companies today are eager to offer to pay for women to end their pregnancies. But how many of them are offering to pay for to diapers or childcare, or for flexible work options. Dobbs gives women a voice and a vote. It returns the profoundly moral question to the people. It presents an opportunity for America to restore a culture that values families, mothers, and women. After they're born. Ms. Uh, Ms. Graves, could you answer that? Would you just, yes or no? I have to say, Congressman, how you just characterize the representative statement is is 
extremely inflammatory and the type of thing that it's dangerous. And what you she's saying... You guys have been talking today about the threats against crisis pregnancy centers, which I assume are, are serious and are terrible. The threats I've that people who work on abortion I'm not access reclaiming take every my time. single day. I'm assuming that you're part for infanticide. Of this I would also say that her, lang her language, language health Madam Chair, not okay. that the gentleman's time is reclaiming his time. I will say this. It's inflammatory when she says health care. Yeah, abortion the, is health. I'm not, hold on, I'm not, giving, I'm not, I'm not sharing the, I'm reclaiming my time. Now, this being said, do the three of y'all since you are the president of the National Women's Law Center, I was hoping that you could define what a woman is for us in this committee hearing. Well, as the president of the National Women's Law Center, you can imagine I say woman a lot uh, in my day job. Okay, uh, so I'm just asking I, for the de definition. I'm, so, and, and so what I'll tell you is I am a woman. That's how I identify. Okay. But I wonder, however, if in part the reason that you're asking a question is that you're trying to suggest that people who I am don't simply asking the question and I simply want an answer. I, and so I, I think it's actually really important to be very clear here that there are people who identify as non-binary. I think okay. about All five right. percent we're, of we're, young. We're not going to go there. I was hoping maybe you would. I was hoping that you, maybe you would say something that maybe we learned in. Um, high school biology that has to do with X and Y chromosomes, but uh, which define male and female, but I guess we're not going to get there. I'm talking about, do you agree? I, I know, I get that, but do you agree? I mean, are you in, do you support infanticide, killing a child after he's born? I do not agree with the basis of that question, What's but the I basis? do believe that abortion is health care. Okay, so I'll take that as a yes, you do agree with infanticide. Mrs. Shannon, do you agree with infanticide? Well, I think you're using um, inflammatory language to basically describe a situation that does not happen. We don't have infanticide happening. Doctors would not do that, and neither would folks who have carried pregnancy. Okay, would a healthy child, do you agree if a healthy child is born, that is that woman's right to decide if it lives or dies? What I think is, based on your question, you have a very low opinion of pregnant people. Because if you think no, no, anybody the, would answer carry... Answer the question. Excuse me. Excuse, answer the question. I'm answering it. Do you no, wanna, you're not. You want to answer it or it you want to keep talking over witnesses? What I'm telling no, no. you is nobody would carry a pregnancy and then decide on a Monday because they are bored that they want to have an abortion. That's ridiculous. And it's inflammatory. You're, what you're saying, you're talking about families who are in tough situations where folks have been excited about carrying a pregnancy. Most of the abortions that happen later in pregnancy are really tragedies where it's really a disappointment for everyone involved. But you agree with, I, t I take it with all those words, uh, you do agree with basically murdering a child at, uh, after they're born. Miss, uh, Miss Graves, could you answer that? Would you just, yes or no? I have to say, Congressman, how you just characterize a representative statement is is extremely inflammatory and the type of thing that it's dangerous. And what you she's You guys have been talking today about the threats against crisis pregnancy centers, which I assume are, are serious and are terrible. The threats I've that got people a who work on abortion not access reclaiming take every my time. single day. I'm assuming and that you're for infanticide. Of this sort I would of also say that her, her language, language health Madam Chair, not okay. that the time. Is there any instance of a woman giving birth to something that is not a human being, a baby, like, I don't know, a turtle, or as our first lady suggested, a breakfast taco? I mean, is there any instance where 
other than a human being has been born? Well, there are definitely are instances where people have stillborn. I'm, I'm still I, a baby. I, I guess the point it's is still a person, is it not? If if I can finish, I I actually think that Representative Shannon's point about viability is, goes to exactly what you were naming. When the court no, I'm talking about personhood, not viability. Line, it did so because the consideration was whether or not the fetus can live outside of the body. There are many people who cannot live without insulin. Does that mean we should uh, kill those people who cannot live without insulin? Well, there's no or way other... for them to live. Listen, but my, I, this is I, my I time. I, oh, I thought you were asking us. I, so I was wanting to have an opportunity to explain. So it's not a question of turtles, or I'm, I'm not really sure. What it is a question of... It's it, a question of personhood. That's what I'm getting to. And there's not an instance that I'm aware of of anyone giving birth to something other than a person. So well, if it is a person after birth, it by extension is a person before birth. I really hope people are watching today because the question on the table is about abortion for sure, but actually the conversation you're having is about contraception, it's about in vitro fertilization, is about a whole larger No, set of no, you mischaracterize. I'm having a clear discussion about abortion and the fact that it is a person. It is a person that we're dealing with, and that person uh, after birth clearly is a person, and therefore by extension before birth is also a person. And the question comes down to, when does a person have the right to life? And uh, ha when does a person have the right to health care? And we can argue all day that, it's, that abortion is health care. It certainly is not health care to the baby. Health care protects life. And abortion, by definition, destroys life. It is not health care. But if we're talking about a person, which we are, we're not talking a taco. We're talking a person in the womb. We're talking we're, a fetus, which is let me, the Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Ms. Hawley, please state for the record, when an ectopic pregnancy ruptures, what are the chances that it can be carried to term? My, under my understanding is that when an ectopic pregnancy ruptures is a life-threatening condition, that's why the treatment for an ectopic pregnancy is Excuse not me. an abortion. I'm sorry, sorry, reclaiming my time here. Again, could you just answer the question, when an ectopic pregnancy ruptures, what are the chances that it can be safely carried to term. And, and you know what, just to make this even clearer, I'm looking for a number between zero to 100. Can you give me a, a percentage? Sure, I believe zero ectopic pregnancies, even those that do not rupture, have a chance of uh, uh, successfully being carried to term. That's why the treatment for them is not an abortion. Reclaiming my time. Uh, it seems that there is a deficit in your understanding of reproductive health. Uh, in fact, I want the record to reflect that according to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, treatment for ectopic pregnancy requires ending a non-viable pregnancy. Now, let's turn... That, with respect, ma'am, that's not an abortion. This is my time. You, I asked you the question. You answered. And I'm now providing you with the accurate information from medical experts. 
My question was, when an ectopic pregnancy ruptures, what are the chances it can be safely carried to term? The answer is 0%. I answered that correctly. Further, when it comes to one's accurate understanding of reproductive health and abortion care with an ectopic pregnancy, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists says, quote, treatment for ectopic pregnancy requires ending a non-viable pregnancy, this is my time, end quote. That is so now I'm going to turn to the real experts. That's not an we'll abortion because- First and foremost, this guy's her boyfriend. Let's, let's just be honest. That, that's what's going on. And it took a Latino network to find out. The congressman, you guys wrote laws to codify Roe and do live birth abortions. You did that. That's what you said. Now it's the up and to abortion. Oh, how dare you? The UN shit. Why is abortion UN? What does that got to do with the UN? A World Health Organization. What is abortion is not medical care. You say it is, but it's not medical care. It's a decision made to have a baby or not have a baby. And you don't do it with doctors. You anybody could be an abortionist. That's what you guys say. All the media will not say that the individual is an illegal immigrant. You just you won't say it. So I guess it just doesn't happen. It's like it's, you know, we're not going to know he's an illegal immigrant. Is that what you really believe? And what is wrong with our media that they won't? It's like you have so many agendas right now. You're having a hard time keeping up with all of them, aren't you? You know, we're not going to talk about the border because ooh, that's that's scary. And we're not going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about that. So... Yeah, let's just, uh, here he is. We'll just name the guy. And we're only doing it for what reason, boys and girls? We're doing it because they want to prove the point that the story was true and own the cons. So you own the cons by admitting that an illegal immigrant raped a 10-year-old girl. Everybody involved with it broke the law and didn't report it. And you did interstate fucking abortion just to make a point. That poor 10-year-old girl became a tool in your fucked-up game. That's what happened. If you could just admit it, it'd be so much better. That was uh, Representative Cicilline, by the way, who said the notion. Hmm. How dare you? So then we get into the numbers and everything, because there's been so many arguments about this, and I have had people learn better. The average age a girl gets her period is 12. There are people that get it earlier, but it's very rare that a 10-year-old. These are USA facts. These are abortion sites under 15. Do you, do you see any numbers? Nope. It, it, there, are, there are no data. And the reason why there is no data, because the only states that really do it are blue states. And if you look at the blue states, they are doing hiding in California, hiding in fucking um, 
New Hampshire, they're just not reporting it. Oregon, Washington, don't give a fuck. They're reporting it. 10% of all abortions. Up to 19. They're just not going to report it. And almost every state has a law. It has to be reported. By law, it has to be reported. You look at the southern states, the numbers are much lower. So for South Carolina, up to 19. And granted, excuse me for burping, you don't know if it, you know, how their ages are. This sums it up. So a 10-year-old girl was raped in Ohio by a legal alien and could have gotten a legal abortion in that state because it threatened her life, but the doctors didn't report it to the police, shipped her over to Indiana, and turned it into a media story to sell abortion to the public. And that's exactly what happened. That's it in a nutshell. The actual uh, doctor or the reporter is so excited that she broke this up She's like all over Twitter. And to where there were 52 abortions in children 15 or younger in Ohio, accounting for 0.3% of the 20,605 abortions performed that year. There were 63 in 2019, 54 in 2018, 61 in 2017, and 76 in 2016. That's a lot of rapes covered up in just one state each year. Not going to change anything. Split of fact. It's mostly false to state the truth about states with no abortion limits. It's false because they don't want it. I mean, they get out there and they want to talk about this shit. Then they realize how horrible they sound. And then they just, oh, you're a liar. Uh, the Federalist. The rape of an Ohio girl is a horrific tragedy. It doesn't change reality. That what they want to do is disgusting. Twitter admits alleged Ohio rapist was an illegal immigrant. They all did, in turn, not state the truth. Because why would you state the truth? Why? It doesn't fit our agenda, so we lie. Then we have all these order these articles. Frustrated young women are trying to get sterilized after overturning of Roe. And they show three girls who are... I'm going to go get sterilized because I don't have body autonomy. Last podcast was men need to get vasectomies. You know, that's permanent, right? Some young women are taking drastic health measures post-Roe, and it it's everywhere. They're, they're proud of this. 100 Democrats call for a national public health emergency because you can't get on-demand until birth abortion. New York Times Punitive pro-life states on front page risk losing their economic edge. So are you admitting Planned Parenthood is just a money laundering scheme? Because that kind of seems like what you're doing. Then you have people like this on Twitter. I became an abortion provider today. And let me tell you, I'm glowing. I am so proud to do this work. Abortion health care. Somebody replied, and it's so true. I've heard that serial killers do get a glow when they commit a murder. Because one of her tweets is, I am a glow because I get to kill little babies. Yeah, that's that's just that's just fucking sick. So we're going to do a quick uh, media hit. Oh, wait a minute. Let me do this. Uh, Matt in Oregon sent this. I don't want to forget this. This is Hollywood reacting to the overturning 
of Roe, and it's just hilarious. This is a sad day indeed. The Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. If you haven't deported any of your family members already, take this time to comfort them, because dark times are ahead. Experts are saying that the repeal of Roe v. Wade will lead to cataclysmic. My Ginsburg. Run! The babies are here! Mr. President, the situation has gotten worse. If we don't reinstate Roe v. Wade soon, the babies will have taken over. And we will all have to pay child support. Is there anything you'd like to add to this? President Joe Biden, portrayed by Nicolas Cage. Not the babies! Not the babies! Come on, man. Oh, yeah. It's nap time. Tell me how to get born. What? How to get born? How to get born? How to get born? I don't know. Come on. So I wanted to do a media hit really quick. And once again, with this in mind about the differences, um, the sound bites I have chosen for this week's shindig. There is Lemon multiple times saying we shouldn't report both sides. Morning Joe is being a jackass. Nets trying to spin the lies rule being a big lie. And then you'll see Tapper actually pushing back on one of these jackasses. A Faulkner hit and Fox Business, which I thought were good sound bites. We will call this our asshole segments because these people have no integrity. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. Discontent is not unheard of uh, among uh, Democrats or Republicans when they're doing well in the polls and you're headed into a fall campaign. You know, we felt some of that. I was in the Obama uh, White House. The fundamental thing I'd be worried about, that those are large numbers. 64% is a large number. Also, when they were asked, they asked people to volunteer what it was that they objected to uh, about Biden. The people who said they did want him to run. Uh, a third of them, the largest number, said age, that he was too old. That is not a political problem. That's an actuarial problem. Mm -hmm. That is a problem that's not going to get better. He's not going to get younger. Uh, we know that. That's a political prediction one can make. And so that's the thing that he has to confront when he makes this decision. And he's got time to make this decision. Uh, but uh, yes, presidents have fought back. None of them have been, uh, you know, in their 80s when they did it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a uh, that is a concern that he has to that he has to address. And I, I, you know, I think it's frankly a difficult one. Well, Reagan wasn't a spring chicken. I mean, I was. So it's not just that Oath Keepers or Proud Boys can become the militia wing or the paramilitary wing of the party. 
the party itself is morphing into an extremist force. Republicans are doing something that is very dangerous to our society. And we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that as Americans. We must acknowledge that as journalists. Because if we don't, we're not doing our jobs. We cannot sit here and pretend like, well, you, Republicans, it's a cut them a break. Let's we want to hear whatever. They have a lot to answer for in this moment. A lot to answer for what happened with the former president of the United States, why they allowed his antics to go on for so long, why he is not accountable, why they go along with it and don't say anything. They've got to answer for that, why they are, whether you agree with abortion rights or not, why they have taken back a right that was what the you know, that was granted to uh, American women for 50 years. You have the inmates running the asylum. Basically, you have the extremists. Because I know there are Republicans who are sitting out there now going, oh, Don Lemon, that's not what we are. Maybe it's not what you are, but it's what your party has become. It is. And why could we sit and watch our TV for hours? Because, you know, they were sitting there watching their TV for hours before they did anything. If you're if, if you're running D.C. police and you see this. Well, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm about to I'm, I'm about to say some profane things right now. I'm not going to, but just look at this. You're a D.C. police officer. You run the D.C. police department. You run the National Guard. You run the FBI. And you're seeing these images. And you're seeing them live on television. And you do nothing. Nothing. We, we heard that Donald Trump waited. There has not been a positive profile written about Kamala Harris in at least two years. And this is not just, you know, the far right that that constantly attacks her, thinking that white people in their mother's basement who are 44 years old with Cheetos smeared all over their face and their boxers <laughs> are going to love those stories because it's going to make them feel superior as white men who are in such a, at such a good station in their life. As bad as the Democrats have been, the Republicans are just crazy and voters like, yeah, listen, I got my problems with the Democrats, but those people, those insurrectionists and those weirdos and those freaks. The freaks and weirdos. We've been talking for some time about parallels actually with France. They thought Le Pen understood how they lived better. Uh, she probably had policies they supported more, but they said, she's a freak. She's a weirdo. Like, we don't want that wackadoodle running our country. These Senate races in, in 22, whether you're looking at Ohio or looking at Pennsylvania, uh, and, and some of them in Georgia, they're like, we don't want the crackpot. Like, we don't want yeah. the crackpot in our state. We may agree with them on policies. Maybe we think the Democrats are too progressive. But we just can't have a weirdo representing us in Washington, D.C. I think... I don't know, maybe Republicans have finally pushed the envelope too much with some of these insurrectionists and freaks. I, I think uh, Rick James did a, did a song about some of those freaks. Uh, just <laughs> he made me think of that when you said that about Le Pen. And I think people are sitting there going, to your point, okay, we'll leave the freaks over there. Elections are choices, and voters are going to have to make these choices, and they're, they're not going to choose wackos. This hypocrite, uh, J.D. Vance, who's acting like a freak they picked insurrectionists wackos freaks and conspiracy theorists these people 
are weirdos. To wackos. these positions, wackos. President Biden hearing the news as he arrived in Israel, calling inflation, quote, unacceptably high, but also pointing to what he called, quote, out-of-date numbers because he says gas prices have been slowly coming back down for weeks. Today, President Biden said in a statement that June's inflation numbers were unacceptably high and were out of date given the recent drop in gas prices. The average cost of a gallon of gasoline peaked at about $5 last month. This week, it's nearly 40 cents lower. With today's higher-than-anticipated numbers, the Federal Reserve is expected to continue its assault on inflation. We could see another three-quarter point increase later this month, but that comes with risks. President Biden calling the numbers unacceptably high, but also out of date, noting they do not fully reflect recent declines in gas prices. Still, it spells a gut check moment for the Fed as it weighs more interest rate hikes, sure to hit home for American borrowers and potentially tipping the economy. The last thing before we go tonight, Elon Musk's missed opportunity. Every night, this show tries to help people get better and smarter, to be kind, and to use this space as a force for good. Our hope is that others, especially those with huge influence, will do the same. That's why when I saw Elon Musk, founder of Tesla, world's richest guy, father of at least nine, sent a trolling tweet that involved hookers and cocaine, I got to thinking, with so much influence, why wouldn't this person rise up and be a force for good? He has millions of followers and young people worship him, including my own teenage sons. Last year, he shared with the world that he has Asperger's. It was vulnerable and it was inspiring, which is why it baffles me that a man literally on top of the world would ever waste his time punching down. He may have more money than anyone on earth, but he doesn't have more time than you or me or anyone. So why waste his? Why not spend the earned influence and capital he has to lift people up rather than behave like a bully? He's an unconventional guy, and there are tons of good reasons to break tradition and change the game. But I see absolutely no reason to give up on common decency. If anyone can do this, if anyone can actually unite us to do good, it might actually be Elon Musk. And now I know that last night I sat here and I closed this show asking you not to get distracted by the Trump Musk sideshow. And yet here I am 24 hours later, still talking about that guy. But I would argue in this case, it is always a good time to call for decency. You know, I just feel like uh, every month, um, one of you nice people from the White House comes on the show to talk about inflation and you talk about these tools uh, in the president's toolkit, and you don't use them. You don't use these tools. Uh, and, you know, there's debating and discussing going on. Uh, and, and meanwhile, prices are still going up. Economic initiative. He's the Democratic president, and the Congress is controlled by Democrats, so it's not as though you guys don't have each other's phone numbers. Listen, CNN's Caitlin Collins asked President Biden about inflation on December 10th. It's July now, on December 10th. And President Biden told her then that he thought December 10th was the peak of the crisis. Take a listen. And I think you'll see it change uh, um, sooner than quicker, than more rapidly than it will take than most people think. Every other aspect of the economy is racing ahead. It's doing incredibly well. Now, obviously, the war in Ukraine has happened since then, which is partially to blame for higher gas prices, although 
Putin's forces were on the border right then. Um, but it just seems clear that the Biden administration has misjudged how bad inflation was going to get for months and months and months. Wow, there's so much to start with. Um, I, I, I do want to hit the statistics about Democrat-led cities and how dangerous it is uh, right now in many of them. I want to hit that. I want to hit it hard because my friend Gianno Caldwell has lost someone he loved so much, his baby brother in Chicago. We saw 55 people get shot in, in one weekend. That's what we learned. And then a few days later, we found out the number was 70. Hmm. Okay. I, I mean, it is exhausting to think that we aren't going to be honest about the rise in violent crime in Democrat-led cities. So we can cherry-pick where crime is rising in other lanes and, and other categories. But let's be real about the fact that that's the category we care most about. And you do have a friend, me. And I don't talk about the stalker who tried to kill me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I don't talk about it because it's a really low place. But the first thing he did when he got out was look for me. And if they hadn't told me, I don't know that I would be here. That was a lot of years ago, though. I partially don't talk about it because I don't want my girls to concentrate on it. It is irreprehensible to consider not giving us a heads up as crime victims. And I don't think that it is just bad policy. I think what we're seeing now is a collection of the world's only heart donors. And we can't tolerate that in a system that requires law and order. So, Jenna, I respect what you have read and what you're looking at. But as a violent crime victim, I have to tell you, I want you to read more and read deeper. And when you quote those facts, bring your attribution. Because some of, it is, some of us have lived it. Folks, guess what? There is now growing pushback against this ESG movement as people are becoming aware of the dangers of it all. Yesterday, a second anti-ETF was filed to go public, and it's called the God Bless America ETF. Joining me now, Point Bridge Capital founder and CEO Hal Lambert. And Hal, I don't know, for some reason, I immediately thought about you when I saw this one. I mean, you know, just your thoughts on this, because, you know, and we're going to get a little bit deeper into this whole ESG thing, but I'm really happy to see it. I am, too. I'm really happy to see more uh, groups jump on the bandwagon, because the CSG movement is really destructive, Charles. And as you know, I'm, I'm sure you thought of me because I've been saying it for, for over five years now. Uh, I launched my fund uh, almost five years ago uh, because ESG is destructive. If you look at what's happening in Sri Lanka right now, where they have run out of food, it is because of the ESG movement, where they didn't want them to use fertilizer because it was not good for the green initiative. And now they have people starving in Sri Lanka and they're overthrowing their government. But they had a 98 out of 100 ESG score. Yeah. So look, it is not good for poor countries. It's not good for uh, capital free market society. It is a Marxist movement underneath it all. Wall Street has jumped on board because they can charge higher fees to do these ESG screenings. But it's really destructive to companies. You know, uh, in April, uh, there was a national survey by the Heartland Institute and, and Rasmussen about over 400 people, and they, they, they were all familiar with the, what they call the Great Reset. And essentially, they were asking if they were strongly favored, somewhat uh, in favor, somewhat opposed, or strongly opposed. And 16% uh, were strongly in favor, 49% opposed. I got to tell you how, 
A year ago, this kind of a thing would have been the exact opposite. Do you sense that people are, you know, uh, just folks who aren't necessarily even aware of what ESG necessarily stands for knows that this really has been more of a social justice kind of thing, uh, more of a green movement kind of thing, and the, the things they brag about and talk about really haven't been affected at all? No, that's exactly right. And, and, and really, it's, it's an academic exercise in, you know, the green initiative of creating a world where we don't use fossil fuels. And we're not there. We're not there as a country. We're not there as a world. But the Greens don't want to start uh, slowly. They want to move right through this and go straight to zero fossil fuels. If you look at what Biden has done, the top three oil producers in the world are the United States, Saudi Arabia and Russia. And, and the Biden administration has had it attacked all three, basically. We know what's going on in Russia. He's attacked the United States oil and gas industry. You have corporate America not wanting to loan to oil and gas companies uh, because of the whole ESG right. movement. And then you have the Saudis, who he's called a pariah state uh, and, is, and is siding up with Iran on the Iran deal again, which the Saudis don't like. Yeah. Here's what, let me just say one thing, Charles. They're talking about lower oil prices because of demand destruction. I give it 50-50 that the Saudis at some point cut production. So you just watch, you, I, I'm saying it first right here. Okay. It's in, if you look at the, their interests, you could see it happening. Let me stick with oil for a moment. Let's stay in the oil patch because here in America, you just talked about it, you got major bankers who will not fund major projects. Meanwhile, we've been dumping, right, that strategic petroleum reserve, and that's gonna help bring down, it helped to bring down the price a little bit. Another 27 million barrels last month. But at this pace, the strategic petroleum reserve will be zero, zero in 18 months. Does that make any sense to you? No, that's not what it's for. It's, it's, we are not in an emergency situation. We are in a policy mistake situation. Uh, so what, what the, the, we're releasing a million barrels a day. It's really not much of anything, Charles, on a global demand basis. We've, we, we use 90 million barrels of oil a day globally. So we're releasing one million. It doesn't do much. Uh, and so, yes, we will be out in a year and a half if we keep it up. This is all to try to get some pricing down before yeah. the election in November. Yeah. That's not what this is for. It's a hell of a price to pay to try to win an election. Hal, you were ahead of everyone. That's why I thought of you. Talk to you again soon, my friend. This is 538. They're liberal. All this for the worst president ever. Just ever. I'm going to leave this up. This, this represents this administration. This is what this administration is. And by that, I don't mean they're all fucking trannies. What I'm saying is it's all about woke. It's not about right. It's not about wrong. It's not what's best for America. It's what's best for a small fringe of people who think like they do with their religion. The reality is... This administration overlooks everything. Here's just a couple quick hits. Eric Holder's wife accused of major HIPAA breach by her former women's health practice. Biden under fire from his base for fist bumping and he removed the Israeli flag from his car to go to Jerusalem. Here's a tapper soundbite where they're just astounded that he would touch anybody from Saudi Arabia. Democratic Senator Chris Coons of Delaware, who's on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, Senator, I, I want to start um, with uh, your reaction to what President Biden said he told 
the Saudi crown prince. Um, was that enough, do you think? Well, Jake, uh, no one has as strong a record uh, in the Senate uh, as vice president and president uh, as Joe Biden on human rights. And I did not get to hear his press conference. I was on my way in here to this studio. But from what I've been able to pick up in the last few minutes listening to your broadcast, uh, I am encouraged. I fully expected him to directly and upfront at the beginning of the meeting uh, raise with MBS uh, the brutal murder of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, tell the crown prince that uh, our intelligence community has concluded that he's responsible and to going forward sustain pressure uh, on the Saudi kingdom, on their leadership, on MBS uh, for a change in their human rights practices. Um, there are many other concerns we've had over the years about the war in Yemen, about domestic policy, about their regional influence. Uh, but the Jamal Khashoggi murder really crystallized longstanding concerns that many of us in Congress and in the American government have had about um, Saudi conduct. Uh, and I'm, from what I've heard so far, um, uh, encouraged that President Biden directly and right at the front of that meeting uh, raised his grave concerns. Uh, he said this uh, both as a candidate uh, and as president, um, that he sees that the conduct of MBS and the role of the Saudi kingdom uh, in this particular brutal killing uh, was uh, beyond the pale, was despicable. Uh, and I would expect that we will continue to balance advocating our core principles around human rights uh, with a sustained partnership with the Saudis that is critical for us mm -hmm. uh, to sustain um, the unity of the West that President Biden has played such a central role in pulling together yeah. in the months since Russia invaded Ukraine in February. So, so, Senator, first of all, Joe Biden, when he was running for president, he said he was going to turn Saudi Arabia into a pariah nation. Okay? He said he was going to turn Saudi Arabia into a pariah nation. He flew to Saudi Arabia and he fist bumped Mohammed bin Salman, the man responsible, according to Biden's own director of national intelligence, for ordering a brutal murder of a Washington Post journalist, killing him, and then dismembering him with a bone saw. I mean, that fist bump photograph, I think a lot of Americans saw that and were revolted by it. I didn't hear anybody revolted. I mean, Saudis are garbage humans, but what are you going to do? They have the oil. I mean, they have the oil. But the media rules the Democratic Party. They just rule them. Omar Tlaib, among Democrats, Democrats tied to group alleged links to Hamas slaying. $150 boost from Biden. UN agencies cited for inciting violence against Jews. None of this is being covered. Publisher of paper that said Biden would end Arab coddling Saudi Arabia condemns his fist bump with the crown prince. See, it's just the media that's upset. 14% of Stacey Abrams' fundraising comes from Georgia. The rest is blue states. And then this week, we had this bombshell to a bombshell for bombshelling. Do you believe it?
Our reporters, Jamie Gangell and Annie Grayer, were able to learn that there was a Metropolitan Police Department police officer, this was someone working for the Washington, D.C. police force, that was part of the motorcade that did speak to the January 6th Select Committee and was able to corroborate uh, at least a little bit about Donald Trump's position uh, and his attitude on that day of January 6th, and specifically that he was angry uh, and had the desire to go to the Capitol on that day. Now, this wouldn't have been an officer that would have been specifically in the presidential SUV that was uh, which is in dispute right now but someone that was part of that group of vehicles that would have taken the president from the ellipse back to the White House so it is just another example of someone who has testified to the committee you cannot lie to Congress uh, about what they saw on that day uh, versus the Secret Service which has pushed back on Cassidy Hutchinson's account but have done so through the most part through uh, you know not uh, not statements that were put out under oath and in a public setting. Yes. Right. Uh, and so to that point, I mean, are there plans by the committee to get the Secret Service agents who were in the presidential vehicle that day to testify under oath? Because it does seem pretty weird that an unnamed person supposedly with the Secret Service put out the word that, oh, Secret Service agents disagree with what Cassidy Hutchinson said. And yet nobody's on the record, even with their names disagreeing, and nobody's actually under oath disagreeing. Well, so the Secret Service uh, main spokesperson did say on the record, did dispute on some level Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, but not uh, in a fulsome way and not beyond, uh, you know, they were they did it even more with the anonymous sources, as you point to. But to your point about whether or not Bobby Engel and Tony Ornato, who are essentially the only two people, aside from the driver of the limousine itself, who could actually uh, in fully be able to counter or confirm Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony. We know that they already spoke to the committee. Members have said that their recollection of that event was a little bit more murky than the recollection of Cassidy Hutchinson. And the Secret Service has said that they are willing to come forward and testify again. But it's also important to point out, Anderson, that from the committee's perspective, whether or not Donald Trump actually grabbed a steering wheel, whether or not he lunged at a Secret Service agent, that is not as important as the fact that he was angry and that he wanted to go to the Capitol. And as we've said time and time again, no one, including the Secret Service agents, both on the record and talking anonymously, have ever disputed that fact. There's also... They are going to keep this going all the way to the midterms. You watch. That's all they got. All they can run on is abortion and January 6th. That's it. It's going to cover Bill Crispell. Doesn't matter. New York Times. Bask in the glow of Raskin's right-wing extremism knowledge. Also this week, courts squashed Democrats' most secure election lie. Swing states didn't follow their own laws in 2020. Are you sure? We changed 80 of them. The Hill. GOP sees chance to steal Hispanic voters from Democrats because Democrats own it. Brian Seltzer, once again, and this is always, always on CNN, these two things. The first thing you're going to hear is this, if I can get it to work. I can't steal the sign. Ex-Trump people that now want to be like the cool kids, and they go on CNN, and they say Trump was bad, Republicans are bad, everybody's bad, but I'm good now because I'm on your team. You know, let me start with this. You and other uh, former Trump staffers were recently having a meeting about ways to stop Trump uh, and more broadly Trumpism 
Um, is there any insight you can give us into what was uh, discussed? Is the group growing? Uh, any names uh, that are coming into the fold that, uh, I guess, give you some hope that this is gaining momentum? Well, Jim, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, look, it was a preliminary discussion. Um, it was the first time we've all come together as a group. This is a group of people that are have worked across Olivia Troy. That's on all the time, all the time. It is non fucking stop. CNN bringing on ex Trumpers. CNN and MSNBC obsessed with January 6th, and I I don't care when you turn on anything or when you turn on to CNN, you're going to hear an article about disinformation. How to decipher debates about disinformation. One of the dominant stories of our time is a dramatic drift toward a choose-your-own-reality environment. People are swimming or perhaps drowning in a sea of information, some of it straight-up disinformation, meaning something that's made up, on purpose, designed to deceive you. Disinformation is a real thing, a real problem, but it's almost impossible to have a conversation about it. This quote from the AP explains why. As trust breaks down, polarization and anxiety increases, creating opportunities for people pushing their own alternative facts. So in the case of disinformation, the term, a real thing, that term has been misused, weaponized, watered down, distorted, to the point that, as the New York Times said this week, disinfo has become yet another untouchable problem in Washington, D.C. And that didn't just happen by accident. It happened in the pursuit of power. Some progressives have overused the term disinformation, way overused it. Some conservatives have rejected the term altogether, even while spreading BS. Let's show some specific examples of this, okay? President Biden, he's had it bad enough lately without people lying about him, but here's PolitiFact checking a recent viral Facebook post claiming Biden was facing impeachment amid high gas prices. Of course, that claim was given a hard no, basically a pants on fire, but there's those sorts of claims every day. There was a viral video this week shared by anti-Biden commentators falsely claiming that he affixed the Medal of Honor backwards. The video was BS. This stuff happens seemingly every day now. It's become a part of the background. It's like humidity. It's always there. It just rises or falls. Republican politicians are targets of disinformation, too. And, and so are basically, basically every major story in the news. Ever since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, there's been a copious amount of disinformation about abortions. Some experts are, quote, worried that abortion misinformation and intentional disinformation will only increase and make it harder for people to receive care. There are also national security implications to disinformation all around the world. That's why the U.S. Department of Homeland Security recently tried to create an advisory board, what it called a disinformation governance board, but that board quickly collapsed. Uh, it came under fierce criticism, including from Fox and right-wing media. Uh, the, the government did a horrible job of explaining what the board was supposed to do, and so it put it on pause, which is government speak for it's going away, it'll never come back. So... If the government can't even have a real conversation about disinformation, can't even have an advisory board to talk about it, that's a, that's a tough situation to be in. I thought Paul Barnett said it best. Uh, Paul Barrett said it best. He's a deputy director for the Stern Center for Business and Human Rights at NYU. He told the Times, quote, 
we're basically at this point unable to have a calm discussion about the problem. And there's a weird circular looping around effect. The problem itself is helping make us unable to talk about the problem. Think about that, right? The disinformation problem is making it harder to actually talk about the disinformation problem. Now that sounds like a challenge. So let's take it on. Why is CNN failing? This is from Pew. Journalists like Don Lemon believe we should not have both sides. You shouldn't hear any other opposing views. You just hear one view because the other view is disinfo or violence. But Americans don't see it that way. Americans see it as in between is the fact. The fact isn't what the right says and the fact isn't what the left says. It's in between it. So we decide, not you. But we've somehow, over the last five years, reporters believe they are their arbiter and gatekeeper of what we should believe, how we should vote, what we should eat, how we should live, what we should drive. It's kind of creepy. So we're going to do a quick trans abuse, a couple slides, and my closing statement. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly. And they all go marching in the big parade. I have thin privilege. But I'm so fat. I'm like a size 20, 22. How can I possibly have thin privilege? Because there are people who are fatter than me. When I go up on a plane, I might need a seatbelt extender. I might be uncomfortable. I may not feel good. People may say things to me. But I don't need to buy a second seat or risk getting kicked off the plane. That means that I have privilege compared to people who have that experience. You may not even need a seatbelt extender. If that's the case, then you have privilege compared to me. Somebody who is a model size may have privilege compared to you, but that doesn't mean you don't have any privilege. Almost all of us have some thin privilege. It's a spectrum and it goes by degrees. Sacrifice myself for the greater good. Why, you may ask, Asian women can single-handedly cause the white genocide that they are so afraid of. With 2.25 billion Asian women and half a billion white men, baby, it'll only take two generations. In two generations, there will no longer be any blonde-haired, blue-eyed brats. I will pass on this hair, these eyes, this skin, and my babies will be Asian. They will learn my language, and they will not be white. So try me, Chad. I welcome your fetish, because me and my Asian army will fuck you out of existence. Peace.
Tonight, I'm going to give a sampling from three books that are in our libraries, the Fleming School and the Oakleaf School. And then we can discuss, you can discuss, the process by which these books get on the shelves, because there's a Clay County employee that got paid to put this book, Lucky, by Alice Sabol. I'm going to read things. If there's children watching, cover their ears. He began to need I'm going to stop you right there, sir. Opening. I'm going to stop you right there. Microphone off. Turn off his microphone, please. I've told you I'm stopping you. The reason I'm stopping you is because these meetings are, if you'll hush your mouth for a minute and listen instead of just talking, you know, you learn something. Well, the problem is, sir, is these meetings are broadcast. There are people at home that are watching it on YouTube. There are people that are watching it on community television. Are you going to listen or are you going to run your mouth? You'll get it back, but you'll get it back to talk about something besides reading pornography into a, a public television set. Well, let me explain something to you. There are federal and state laws that prohibit you from saying the things that you're getting ready to say on television. There are state laws that prohibit and federal communications laws that prohibit you from publishing these things to a child. You don't have the you don't have the ability at this point to determine who's watching the television show, and for you to say everybody cover your ears just doesn't cut it. If you go to if if you go to television and you look before anything that comes on that's offensive, they have it graded as R, NC-17, PG, or G, or X. Now, if if you Put something on the television without that, you are violating state and federal law, number one. Number two, if you'll hush a minute and listen, you'll learn something, okay? There are ways for you to have this removed from the library and to have it reviewed. You know what? You're finished. You're, you can count on being sued. It seems to me that you think you can supersede the United States Constitution. I've got news for you, school board president Benito Mussolini. Your power does not supersede that of the U.S. Constitution and the First Amendment rights of the citizens of this great nation. Let's be very, very clear who has the power. Mr. It is Campbell, not government policy. Do not warn me or do not interrupt this my time. This is my comment, not your comment. I'm quoting to you now from the United States Supreme Court 1964 case, New York Times versus Sullivan. This is constitutional case law in this country. This nation is founded on the, quote, profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues shall be uninhibited, robust, and wide open, and that it may well include vehement, caustic, and sometimes unpleasantly sharp attacks on government and public officials. That's constitutional case law in this nation. I don't have to be nice to you. Nobody behind me has to be nice to you. If you don't like living in the United States of America, then you can all move to Russia, Cuba, or China. This is the First Amendment. It's my right to critique your fascism, which is what this is. 
is constitutionally protected. We've got the school board president saying she'll do better at hitting the moot button in blatant violation of the Constitution for her lobbying and her advocacy of unconstitutional censorship. I want you, the school board, to terminate the employment of Dr. Charissa Gibson with immediate effect. terminated her employment, I want all of you to tender your resignations for hating on this country. We have a God-given constitutional right to critique you, and we can speak in any lawful tone that we see fit. And don't go looking around, Benito, because this is the United States of America. One of my toxic traits. So whenever I see a car with hella Trump stickers, or really any sticker that I don't agree with, um, I fuck with it. <laughs> I cut it off. I don't let it on the merge, and that brings me joy. <laughs>
A white liberal leftist or consider yourself to be a white ally I have a challenge for you don't create any more content on TikTok until September 22nd and honestly you deserve a break because every day is a white person day and y'all must be exhausted so while you sit back listen learn and truly decenter yourself black indigenous and other people of color we got it from here Please, though, continue to like, comment, and share our content because y'all are always talking about how you want to support us and create equity. But the truth that so many of y'all are unwilling to accept is that you do not want Black, Indigenous, and other people of color to lead and pave the way because what would we do without your perspective, your voice, your commentary, your education? we would thrive. What the fuck is that? These people are the ones that burned our cities down. That's a school teacher in Nashville. That's a three-year-old. Those are representatives of our country. And I want you to bear with me. What is the difference between what we're seeing right now on our media, on Disney and cartoons, and this. I love Mississippi. They, they hate Mississippi. They hate us because we present a shining example of successful segregation. These northern students with their atheist communist bosses that have come into our community this summer with the wish. Now, first and foremost, I hate the way they represent the South because of the way they represent the South in Hollywood. It has always been a bunch of bumpkins, people like that, chubby, fat people, ugly people, inbred people, blah, 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 blah. We've covered it on this show. And you say, well, that's kind of extreme. We're talking about segregationists. People in the KKK and liberals. What's different? Their ideology is identical. You either do what I say or I bring harm on you. You either oblige with our rules, our religion. Back then it was Christianity. Thou shalt not intermingle the races from the Old Testament. One line. Now we have the Psalms and Proverbs of CRT, EIEIEIO, LGBT shit that changes daily and is obliged by the media and the Democratic Party and social media. 
just dead naming, you lose your fucking presence on social media. And if they had it their way, there would be separate places to drink, go to the bathroom, eat. Remember, these people hate us. And by us, normals. If you just have a normal life with a normal nuclear family and you you don't believe in 99 pronouns and a bitch ain't one, if you own a gun, you are garbage human to these people. You're horrible. It is identical ideology to kids. Growing up, all of us have seen the KKK... Uh, rebel flags above crib fucking documentaries cooked up that there's so much racism in America. And then they stopped because they couldn't find it anymore. But we just had a whole administration. That's a whole premise that the biggest threat to America is white supremacy. When we all know the biggest threat to America is liberal supremacy. Their ideology has gotten more people killed in the last fucking two years, six years, than any white supremacist thing. They talk about genocides and dumb shit. They have no proof or annotations to show it. Nine times out of ten, the transgender person was beat up by their gay lover, not some white dudes. Matthew Shepard was a drug deal gone bad. The paper that broke it had to redo it. But they're pushing their ideology on children. To brainwash them in hating nuclear families, hating God, hating America, and hating their own gender. What's the difference? It's identical. It's hate for other. That's what it is. So for our lighter fare... Maya Flores decided to talk back to the taco lady. And I thought it was pretty funny. Hey, Jill Biden, we know that you can't tell the difference between a Hispanic and a taco, so we stopped by our local taco truck here in Virginia to help you out. These are tacos. This is a Hispanic woman product of the American dream. The American dream. What a concept. We used to tell people, if you worked hard, you could be anything in our country. Now you tell, you tell everybody that you're a victim. And without the government, you can't accomplish anything. So let, give me your vote and I'll give you free. That's our country. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com where you can send me suggestions for segments. And find links to everything on the show. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. We'll go with a Wednesday show, which uh, by my calendar is the 20th of July, year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you for listening. You take care. Hunt for Noah, or root for Noah Gregson today and Martin Truex. If he doesn't win, he ain't going to get into the playoffs, so he better get his shit in one bag. Until then, thank you all for listening. And you take care.